If you're suffering from a serious health challenge or just want to protect your good health, I want to tell you about Metatrol Fermented Wheat Germ Extract from American Biosciences. Imagine every cell in your body working at peak performance, achieving enhanced energy, quality of life, and optimal immune system performance. More than 50 research articles in peer-reviewed medical journals describe fermented wheat germ extracts remarkable health benefits in a wide range of serious health challenges. Metatrol is the most potent fermented wheat germ extract ever produced, and it's it's the only one that's gluten-free. Just two Metatrol capsules daily supports your immune system, cellular health, and energy production. Rescue your mitochondrial function and optimize your energy with Metatrol fermented wheat germ extract. For more information and to order, go to theharmonycompany.com. That's theharmonycompany.com. Or call 800-422-5518. 800-422-5518. Use coupon code HOFFMAN20 at checkout and get a 20% first-time discount and free shipping. That's theharmonycompany.com. Welcome to today's Intelligent Medicine Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ronald Hoffman. It's our weekly opportunity to field your questions. Questions come to questions at drhoffman.net as usual. And with me today, of course, is Layla Newton, who is our resident nutritionist. It's a holiday week of sorts. Some people are working, some people are not, some people are traveling. Some people are at their leisure, some people are extremely occupied, some people are extremely bored. And if you're bored, it's a great opportunity to tune into uh, this week's Q&A with Layla. It's one of those uh, kind of long, languid, uh, hot summer weekends for many of you. And um, so let's uh, delve into some health information. How are you doing, Layla? Okay, Dr. Hoffman, how are you? And notwithstanding the holiday, it is a great pleasure to join you. Even though we're not uh, in the office, as we customarily are, sitting across from one another, uh, you know, I will say something for uh, in-person communication, uh, working virtually this week, uh, well, it's a little less uh, in terms of the potential for interaction, but uh, we will nonetheless have a lively conversation because uh, we've done this a lot before. So, um, great. Um, How was your your, uh, holiday? Very nice. A lot of fireworks, of course. Uh, A lot of of shopping, you know, appliance shopping. We're getting ready to put fixtures into our new house out here. So it's all kind of exciting. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, you know, you're you're building your dream house, which has probably taken as long as it took to build the Great Pyramid of Cheops. Well, Uh, this this is five years now. But you didn't have 20,000 slaves to haul the uh, sandstone nope. blocks up nope. uh, inclined. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> just, just Paul single-handedly building it. Okay, so well, prepared. it's great having a husband who's a contractor. If you know oh any multiple yeah. contractors out there, uh, you know, I'll marry them, uh, regardless of gender. <laughs> you know, <laughs> It's a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay, so... Um, before we get into questions, questions come to questions at drhoffman.net. Uh, I want to emphasize that uh, we are talking a lot about PFAS this week. PFAS are these forever compounds that uh, just linger and linger and linger yeah. in the environment. And uh, I had a great interview 
which I recorded on Monday, uh, right before the holiday, with Rob Kirk, who is head of A&H International. He's also executive director of uh, the U.S. version of the Alliance for Natural Health, of which I'm president. <laughs> and uh, it's really worthwhile listening to because he is really uh, head, knows the 411 on this, uh, or rather, I should say the 911 on this important issue because uh, PFAS compounds are permeating our environment. Uh, we recently did uh, a survey, the Alliance for Natural Health. And we're a small grassroots organization. We don't have uh, a lot of bucks, a lot of staff, but uh, we managed to do a survey of kale. Kale bought in the supermarket, both organic and uh, conventional kale. And we found unacceptable levels of PFAS compounds in kale. So this, you know, the archetypal that's, health food. That's uh, very that's worrying food. that it's in the organic kale. It is concerning. Yeah. And so some people were are saying, so should I stop eating kale? Well, that's not the point of it. The point of it is that if it's in kale, it's in virtually everything. Mm -hmm. And uh, so what, you know, short of stopping eating, uh, you know, there's not, not a, lot of, a lot of work around. So the campaign is called banpfas.org. That's the landing page for our campaign. And there's a very nice uh, description of PFAS there, very nicely prepared narrative uh, of which uh, I provided the voiceover. And you can find out about our PFAS campaign for the Alliance for Natural Health, anh-usa.org. And um, we'll be talking more about that. It'll be, uh, we'll feature it in our newsletter next week. So those of you subscribed to the newsletter, you'll see a lengthy dissertation on the subject of PFAS in our environment, in our food, in our water supply. It's a concern. We want to really, Europe is way ahead of us on this. Uh, they're about to ban uh, the majority of PFAS compounds for manufacturing and use in household products. And we need to do that here too. We're, we're lagging behind. So let's switch gears, Layla, because there's an interesting story this week. And it kind of uh, is in our wheelhouse because we talk a lot about this issue, uh, which is uh, the potential uh, for iron deficiency. And, and iron deficiency, you know, among the deficiencies, uh, I don't think there's one that is more pervasive than iron deficiency. You know, there's B12 deficiency and folate deficiency and, you know, there's, you know, B one deficiency, thiamine deficiency, otherwise known mm -hmm. as beriberi, and yes. on and on it goes. Pellagra B6. But iron deficiency, and we now have statistics on this, it says that almost 40% of U.S. girls and young women have low iron levels. And 40%. 40%. So, wow. And what are the symptoms of it? Fatigue, brain fog, and hair loss. Well, yes. What, how pervasive are those symptoms among young women? Now, you may say, well, oh, these young women are, you know, they may be suffering from depression or they may be suffering from uh, overwork, you know, starting young families, uh, their hair is falling out. We, we see that complaint all the time here in our office. We do. Uh, they say 40% have insufficient levels of iron. And of, of these, 16% have true iron deficiency anemia, you know, where they actually have a lowered blood count. So- Insufficient, we look at ferritin, and if yes. ferritin is below a certain threshold, we say it's insufficient, 
But iron deficiency, anemia, is when your blood counts are low. You become anemic due to low Mm -hmm. iron. And that's a more severe form of it. So they're tracing this to the popularity of vegan and vegetarian Uh, diets among young gals. Because that is really, you know. Okay. Now, that's not surprising. And young gals, of course, are menstruating. Yes. Yeah. So double trouble. And another factor that may be involved is something called fat female athletic triad, uh, where uh, there's a certain form of iron deficiency that occurs with overexertion. It is thought that the pounding may cause some degree of hemolysis or breakdown of the red blood cells. And with very high-end physical activity, of course, a lot of the women who are competing, they're saying, well, oh, my God, you know, I'm like I'm, I'm three pounds overweight. I'm, you know, I've got to get back into my optimal weight. You know, mm. important it is to meet a weight yeah. requirement in whatever, you know, gymnastics, uh, in running and cycling, various sports. Mm. And so they're dieting and they're skimping on iron. Yeah. That's a problem. It's a very big problem. And that's the, one of the most concerning things is this worldwide uh, move towards veganism. And uh, a, a lot of these young people I'm seeing are afraid because of the climate. Right. right and right, climate yeah. change and all of that. But what about the environment? And I did say to a patient recently, a young woman in college who was militant about her vegan diet. And I said to her, I understand your concern for the environment, but what about your internal environment? And she stopped. She just looked at me. I don't know, like like I had two heads or something, but something for her to consider. Yes, absolutely. And if you want to be an effective environmental activist, and by the way, the, the PFAS campaign is about environmental activism. It's just not yes, it is. Uh, so much about uh, lowering the carbon burden, which is, I think, uh, to some extent, has uh, taken our eyes off the preponderance of in- toxic environmental chemicals that are unleashed in our environment. So yes. a lot of the energy of environmentalism has gone into uh, climate change initiatives. Mm-hmm. And so... But if you want to be a climate activist, you do not want to be a tired, anemic climate activist because you're no, activist. It's hard to be activist right, right, when you're right. tired. Exactly. Yeah. And you can't catch your breath walking up a flight of stairs when you would otherwise be a healthy young person, right? Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like, okay, say you're vegan. Um, what should you do? I mean, the, there are going to be some people who are committed vegans or mm-hmm. vegetarians. Uh and you, you work with some. And, yes. You know, so I mean, the first question I ask is, are you a vegetarian for health reasons? Then I can talk to you because you're not like adamantly opposed to other foods. It's your, in my opinion, mistaken belief that vegetarianism is the ultimate diet. The yeah. panacea for all of man's ills. So mm-hmm. I can talk to you about that. But if you're an ethical vegetarian, it's a different kind of thing. Okay, you're, some people say, I'm an ethical vegetarian. I don't want to eat any living creature. End of story. I'm not. That's like arguing with them about their religion. You know, that's not. Yeah. So, so I'm going to say, let's let, you know, let's not die on that hill. What can a, a vegetarian or vegan do, uh, especially a woman, to augment their 
iron stores? Well, with the you know, they can get some more plant-based iron sources, although it's not great. We're only absorbing 10% of, of the iron from our lentils, our peas, our spinach. They'd have to take an iron supplement. Okay. I mean, any vegan will have to take iron, vitamin A, uh, B12, uh, among others, maybe, you know, carnitine, CoQ10, among those things. So uh, being young, they, they may feel fine if they're not fully anemic yet or anything like that. But as time goes on, it really starts to show itself. Okay. So and, what, what about a woman yeah. who is, is 55 years old? She says, I'm not menstruating. Mm -hmm. uh, is she still at risk it's for just better. deficiency? It's, there's a good yeah. problem. Yeah, it could still be a problem. Again, we'd have to watch ferritin levels, the hemoglobin, hematocrit, all of that, certainly. And uh, an iron supplement, honestly. Okay. More than anything. Maybe taking some additional vitamin C with meals to help absorb any of the limited iron from the plant-based sources that they're having. Okay. That could be helpful. Yeah. Okay. And your favorite form of iron these days is what ferrous fumarate? It's more gentle form of iron. Or? There's a there's a an iron. There's a gentle iron. I think it's a it's a bisglycinate. Bisglycinate is good too. I yeah. believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's gentler because taking an iron an iron supplement can be a little harsh. Yeah. It has been shown some constipation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'd have to rebalance that with some magnesium, and all of that. So you know. Okay. All right, yeah. fair enough. I mean, I just wanted to make mention of that because that was a relevant story. That and and you know, I'm I'm not shocked by the pervasiveness of this, but now it's finally yeah. the word is getting out that this is yeah. such a uh, common problem affecting almost half of young uh, girls and women. And, and by the way, this yeah. often is uh, not so much in boys, but uh, girls, young girls, often. Um, manifest a different type of attention deficit disorder, which is sort of a lack of attention, sort of a lassitude, you know, uh, huh. kind of like that, that thousand yard stare and they don't learn well. And that's huh. because of iron's impact on the brain. If you are yeah. uh, low iron, even without anemia, but especially with anemia, uh, there's a certain lassitude that, that, that happens and you are less able to learn. You drop a few IQ points and so in looking at a young gal who has attention deficit disorder, you know, certainly there may be a place in some instances for medication. But before we do that, it's important to look at levels of iron and other nutrients, perhaps essential fatty acids, uh, to see what's going on in that department. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, you know, if you couple that also with a young woman who's not only iron deficient, but she's also taking birth control pills, ah. there's the additional deficiency of B vitamins yep. Yep. and even vitamin C. And this creates, it, it becomes a, a bit of a vicious cycle yep. that yep. way of deficiency. And it's not just deficiency. There's also a mood effect of the birth control pills because they, yes. they do change your hormone levels. And, and uh, hormone levels are so... The brain is so exquisitely sensitive to hormone levels that by uh, rejiggering them with mm -hmm. the exogenous, the outside hormones, uh, it may change the way that you uh, think and feel mood-wise. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, Good stuff. All right. Let's uh, move on to questions. And yeah. 
Mm -hmm. It's it's questions at drhoffman.net. And fortunately, a lot of people are answering the clarion call. They are sending in questions. So we've got a mail basket full of them. We do. We really appreciate them. Here's one from Marion. I just listened to your recent podcast with Louise Gittleman. Can you can you talk more about high dose thiamine for Parkinson's disease? I was recently diagnosed with Parkinson's. I'd be very interested in hearing your thoughts yes. about this type of therapy to assist in dopamine production. Yes, and I've invited her on for a follow up podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. to address that subject because, you know, when I have these conversations with my uh, illustrious colleagues in this field, um, it's for the benefit of the audience. And much of what they tell me, uh, frankly, I already know. But I would have to say that almost invariably, I learn something new from conversations with uh, my excellent colleagues. And yeah. in this case... Uh, she mentioned the applicability of th- of thiamine for Parkinson's disease. And then uh, I looked it up. And indeed, there are studies that suggest that high-dose thiamine, and we're talking about hundreds of milligrams of, of uh, thiamine, mm-hmm. uh, can be helpful for Parkinson's. So I have Vitamin- a study, uh, let's mm-hmm. see if I can get thiamine, reverses Parkinson's disease in humans. Well, it's from 2015, but it it says it's the first human study uh, which suggests that that may be uh, a therapeutic option for Parkinson's. Now, it's not going to cure Parkinson's, but it's Mm -hmm. going to have a beneficial effect. Yeah. Um, So it said, this study says that thiamine treatment led to significant improvement of motor and non-motor symptoms. Uh, the uh, this was high dose thiamine, parenteral thiamine, so it's IV. Yes, but uh, and you have to be careful with thiamine injections because uh, you start with a test injection, and then uh, because you can have an allergic reaction to thiamine. Mm-hmm. But it kind of makes sense about thiamine because I remember one of the first nutritional therapies that I ever administered during my medical training was we would get I worked at Bellevue Hospital and we get these alcoholics, uh, you know, some of whom were from the Bowery. I mean, yeah, excuse the pejorative expression, but Bowery bums. Yeah. uh, Now referred to as, you know, homeless or non-domiciled or whatever the PC language is. But they were, you know, real out and out alcoholics who had very poor diets and were drinking all the time. And the first thing we do is we would shoot them up with thiamine. And it was kind of like the movie Awakenings. Oh, what a great movie about, about Dr. Oliver Sacks, the neurologist. Right. Yeah. With, uh, you know, Played with, by Robin Williams right, right. and Robert De Niro. That was a great movie. Yes. So what they say here is that uh, you, you can also use uh, something called TTHF, uh, but you can also use um, the um, benfotiamine. Because mm-hmm. these are also precursors mm-hmm. to, you know, active, metabolically active uh, thiamine. Mm-hmm. So anyway, the, the point is that thiamine has an effect on the brain and it's an energetic compound and it seems to hit the right spot to help Parkinson's. Now, a study that dropped in 2015 without follow-up uh, 
is is not enough to convince me that thiamine is the bomb for uh, for Parkinson's. Okay. But, uh, there there are studies, and uh, they they suggest that there could be a benefit. So I mean, what's the harm of taking some thiamine? What's the harm to take it? And, you know, Marion also was asking, how, how would you test for it and what would be an optimum level to no, have? No, it's not about that. It's about tr- taking mm-hmm. it to, uh, to, to the point where it ameliorates symptoms. And the dose wow. that some uh, of these physicians have been using is astronomical because uh, often you get, you know, a B50, which has 50 milligrams of thiamine. What they're talking about is four grams per day, which if you do the math is like uh, 80 times as much yeah. grams per day of thiamine because, it, because injectively it works. But mm-hmm. to achieve something comparable to an injection, sometimes you have to go really high. So, uh, and mm-hmm. other things, of course, we talked about glutathione in the past, but the effects of glutathione sometimes wear off. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, I recall seeing that at a medical conference. Uh, well, Dr. Perlmutter was able- all over that. He used to do videos yes. which you know dramatically yes. illustrated the efficacy of uh, glutathione. Uh, you know, yeah. right there in the office, like a pre and post. And uh, but I think it, it may be you. You either have to get the injections frequently, or you know, find mm-hmm. some way to take. Uh, a bioavailable oral glutathione or yeah. uh, NAC to achieve some of those benefits. But again, an IV sometimes gives you much more than an oral uh, medication can give you. Yes. Preferred, actually, yep. via IV for that type of a dose. All right. Well, Marion, thank you for... We'll do a podcast on that. I yeah. to remind... Uh, mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. to remind her. Yes, absolutely, Marion. You know, mm-hmm. Terrific. Terrific. Okay. We've got a question here from Brian. Brian is baffled in Detroit. Hi, Dr. Hoffman. Longtime listener here. I've been getting these nasty boils on my legs over the last couple of months. It turns out it's Staph aureus. And two new ones just popped up. They became large, inflamed. I treat them with a paste made of black seed oil, coconut oil, tea tree oil, some honey. They heal, but it leaves a lot of scars. And I was taking amoxicillin for 10 days about a month ago, but I hate taking antibiotics. I'm wondering, all I could think of is I pick this up at the gym, maybe, but I'm 68. I thought I was in good health, but it makes me wonder about my immune system. And it appears that some people have a sort of a chink in their immunological armor for staph. They don't have to have a completely suppressed immune system. We saw a patient recently with that uh, yes. who uh, has suffered from frequent uh, staph infections. And so, uh, you know, we gave her supportive nutrients. You know, certainly iron deficiency has something to do with immunity. Uh, mm. It's a Goldilocks thing. Too much iron suppresses immunity, but too little uh, can be render you more susceptible. And, you know, we did an analysis yeah. on her and we're finding that she's having less in the way of infections. We also gave her some topical things like, uh, you know, topical uh, made an ointment out of uh, oregano, 
uh, that yes. can be helpful. Um, Oregano, along with coconut oil, I believe. Coconut oil, yeah. Mm -hmm. So there's, uh, which has natural antibacterial effects. But mm -hmm. from time to time, she still has breakthroughs. They're less frequent and less severe. Um, so it is, it's a thorny problem, and medicine hasn't really caught up with it. And yeah. after a while, you kind of run out of available antibiotics that can have a, uh, a good effect on that. So it's, it can be a tough problem. Yeah. There's antibiotic resistance that develops eventually. And of course, there, there is so much antibiotic resistance to begin with because of the chronic use of antibiotics in our food systems, mm -hmm. in feeding animals to fatten them up, and the chronic overuse. People are going to their doctors demanding prescriptions if they have a sore throat or a cold. Yeah. I mean, for a virus, and the doctors are kind of giving in. Yeah, well, it's it's a tough it's a tough thing for a doctor because somebody comes, they pay a fee, they expect to get uh, something in return other than right. you know some warning that they should be sparing about the use of antibiotics and that whatever condition they have is self limited anyway. You know that sore throat. Yes, I know you're going to Bermuda next week and you want to get rid of that sore throat, but I have to assure you, Here's it's feedback. viral. And, yeah. uh, you know, the antibiotic book, doc, please give me something just in case anyway. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You know, and then uh, so many antibiotics are sitting on people's shelves and if they feel a little sick, in a, in, mistakenly, they take the antibiotic without a proper evaluation to see if they really have a bacterial infection, whether it's merely viral. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Brian, we hope you feel better soon. Thank you for this uh, question. All right. Let's go on here, too. We've got just, an email. Just give us a preview, yeah. Layla, of what we're going to talk about in part two. Because Ooh. as our listeners know, we divide our podcast into two parts. So what's in store for us in the second part? Yeah. I've heard that if triglyceride to HDL ratio is less than two, there's no need for a statin. What okay. do you think? Great question. Great question. Um. We'll have an answer for you when we yep. return. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman. This is our weekly Q&A with Layla. Uh, a reminder that uh, you can find all the vitamins and supplements that we talk about on this program at drhoffman.com slash full script, right? Uh, no, wait, is that, is that yes. the correct one? Dear Hoffman. DearHoffmanStore.com. Okay, DearHoffmanStore.com. Yes. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's a <laughs> full script dispensary. That part right. is correct. But it's DearHoffmanStore.com where we uh, stock many of the supplements that you hear about in this program. And uh, we're, because of full script's uh, excellent review capabilities, uh, you're assured of prompt delivery and safety and efficacy. And you won't find counterfeit products or products that are bogus on that website. All right. And world-class customer service. Yes. Yeah. Full script is terrific about that. Yeah. I'm Dr. Ronald Hoffman, and this is the Intelligent Medicine Podcast. We'll be right back.